You know, the last 12 years in the history of our church have been quite amazing. If you had told me 12 years ago that we would have eight different campuses with 17 different services every weekend, I would have thought you were a little crazy. And yet that's what is our reality today. During those same 12 years, we've had the privilege of starting 25 churches all across North America in places that are under-resourced spiritually, places like New York City and Boston and Denver and Las Vegas and Montreal. And it makes me wonder what God might have for us in the next 10 years as he uses the people of Lake Point to reach our nation and our world for Christ. A little bit of that was revealed to us early on this year as we began discussions with Real Life Church in Austin. It's a church that actually began in Corpus, and then they opened up a second campus in Austin, and now they have a third campus just outside of Austin in a suburb that's called Hayes. And as we began to talk together about what God was doing in that church and what God had been doing with Lake Point, and through much prayer and discussion with their leadership board and our leadership board, a decision was made recently that our two churches would merge together to reach Texas, the United States, and the world for Christ. That merger will become effective on June 1st. If you want to know more information about that, you'll be able to find out about that on our website. Uh, it's my privilege today to introduce Micah Davidson, who's speaking for us, who's the lead pastor of Real Life Church. And uh, I wish I could be here uh, to do this in person, but I'm actually teaching at Real Life Church this weekend. So you be in prayer for me and be in prayer for Micah. And would you give him a Lake Point welcome right now? Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Steve and Lake Point. Uh, just an honor to be on this team, an honor to serve your pastor, and a privilege to partner with you to see exponential life change in the state of Texas. Uh, speaking of life change, since I was here with you guys last month, our Corpus campus had a baptism celebration. Are you guys ready for this? They baptized 49 people in one day. So we um, celebrate that life change. Yes, most of them were adults like this guy right here, and yes, that is a horse trough. It works. Welcome to real life. Uh, well, one of the many things I love about Lake Point is you guys celebrate life change and uh, people going public with their faith and baptism every weekend, and it is, once again, a privilege to partner with you. I'm going to ask you to take a Bible and turn to the book of James, if you would, or take out your smartphone or your iPad. And, uh, or there's the passage right on the back of your worship folder you were handed when you came in. And we're gonna look at James chapter one in just a minute. You know, James is a wonderful book. It's one of my favorite New Testament books because it's so helpful, so practical when it comes to life and especially when it comes to relationships. I know you just wrapped up a series on the five love languages and what, what better way to wrap that series up than by looking at what James says about relationships, and I would encourage you to read through James if you haven't done that recently. Uh, you can easily do it in about a week's time uh, at the most, and it talks about relationships, every aspect of them, communication, uh, conflict, how to treat each other, how to deal with money, it's all in here. But we're gonna look today just at the first few verses, and we're gonna see, first of all, a couple of things we need to know about relationships from the first couple of verses. Let's, after he introduces himself and in verse one, let's dive into verse two. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. Notice he says when. doesn't say if. 
trouble is going to come to your life. Trouble is going to come to relationships. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. The first thing we notice here about relationships is James is saying, when it comes to relationships, all relationships have highs and lows. You're going to go through highs and lows in your relationship, aren't you? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. At some point in your marriage, at some point in your relationship with your kids, at some point in that friendship, there's gonna be highs and there's gonna be lows. There's highs and lows throughout all of life. Now, before we get too serious and and deep into this, a little survey on highs and lows. So you guys play along. How many of you guys know the highest land point on the planet? The highest land point on the planet, what do you think it is? I think it is, Mount Everest, very good. Some of you thought I was trying to trick you. Nope, it's just the highest point. You can't miss it. It's five and a half miles high, okay? That's real high. What about the lowest land point on Earth? The lowest land point on Earth? What do you wanna guess on that one? Some of you guessing, okay, Death Valley, very close. It's the Dead Sea, actually, the Dead Sea. 1,300 feet below sea level, that's definitely a low. Uh, Let's go with uh, some just modern day trivia here. How about the highest grossing movie of all time? What do you think the highest grossing movie of all time brought in the most money? What do you think that one is? Some of you guessing Star Wars, just because it's coming out doesn't mean it's the highest one, but that's a good guess. Uh, How about Avatar, Avatar, $2.7 billion. I would say that's a high, okay? What about the lowest grossing movie? Anyone gonna guess the lowest grossing movie? I had to look this up. It's, it's, uh, it's called Zizix Road. Six people went to see it, it grossed $30. <laughs> I would say that was a low. Did you know that relationships go through highs and they go through lows? How many of you guys know not every day is a Mount Everest day? Not every day, some of you are like, yes, right now. And that's you have to raise your hand. Uh, you know, it, not every day is an avatar kind of day. There, there's lows, but here's what we wanna be careful of. When you go through trouble, you don't want to accentuate it. In other words, take that relationship into a nosedive just because it's low at that point. Galatians 5.15 says it this way. It warns us, if you, listen, if you go on hurting each other, tearing each other apart, be careful or you'll completely destroy each other. Scripture says, be careful. When you're in that low, don't take it lower. When you're in that low, everyone in this room knows exactly what you can say to the person you love to hurt them. You also know exactly what you can say to help them. And the scripture says, you're gonna go through highs and you go through lows, but when you do, make sure you're gonna help. Look at the rest of verse two. It says, when that trouble comes, consider, question, how can I make this an opportunity for great joy? All relationships, if you think about it, I don't know about you, but the most disappointing times in my life and discouraging times in my life were brought on by relationships and the most encouraging times in my life, the highest points in my life, the most joy in my life was through relationships as well. I can remember when my four kids were much smaller and and I would have a bad day and it would be a really tough day at work and I'd pull into the driveway and all of a sudden these four little people would break out of the front door and I would have a frown on my face and they would have a smile on theirs and they would just be bouncing down the driveway. Dad, we're so glad to see you, it's so good to see you. We love you so much. And all of a sudden my bad day went away and my, that relationship with them brought great joy. That's what relationships were designed by God to do. That's why I think Paul said it this way when he was thinking about his friendships and he said it uh, this way in 1 Thessalonians 2.20. He says, yes, you are our pride and our joy. God gave us relationships 
so that we could have joy and that kind of effect, but we're gonna have to work on it. All relationships have highs, all relationships have lows, but just like a roller coaster, you don't get off when it's slow. You just hold on and watch what he says next in verse three. James 1.3 says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your, here's this word, endurance, hold on through the low, your endurance has a chance to grow. Here's the second principle we see here. All relationships not only just have highs and lows, but all relationships are an opportunity to grow. I am who I am today because of the people that I've interacted with, the people that God brought through my life. They've impacted and influenced my life, and they've got me where I am today because we've grown together. And the, the higher the commitment level in any relationship is the more endurance you're gonna need to hold on through it. Uh, for instance, marriage. Marriage has a high commitment level. How many of you know that marriage is not a 100-yard dash? Marriage is a marathon. You've got to keep on growing, keep on enduring, keep on hanging in there. And I love couples that give us an example of this, but uh, there was a company that did a, a survey last year to find the couple that's been married the longest. And so they surveyed the entire United States, and here's the winners. It's Harold and Edna. Harold and Edna, are you guys ready for this? They have been married 83 years, 83 years. That's a long time. Harold and Edna Owings, and I just wanna thank all the couples at Lake Point that are our senior adults that give us such great examples of this. I had three couples after the Saturday night service come up to me and say, we're over 50, we're almost 83, all right? They're just so inspiring. What I love is, is when they were brought by this company to celebrate with their family and friends, uh, they wore these shirts. Uh, here's a, another picture for you. And they were actually married on November 24th, 1931. Wow. And then Edna kind of, you know, was talking about Harold and this. So where did it all begin? And she said, well, what happened is, is we met each other in fifth grade. And Harold put a Babe Ruth on my desk when I wasn't looking. And the rest is history. That was the story there. And so what they did is they had a huge bowl at this celebration and they had 83 Babe Ruths <laughs> to celebrate. And what I, what I love is Edna said, I quote, you know what, we've, we've grown through the good times and the bad times. And here's my favorite quote from the article. She said, you know what, every day wasn't a Babe Ruth day. What was she saying? Not every day was Mount Everest. Not every day was Avatar. Not every day was a Babe Ruth day, but we grew through it. We endured, we kept growing. And 83 years later, they inspire all of us. All relationships are an opportunity to grow. Look at what 1 Thessalonians says on the screen here. It says, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. The scripture continues to say over and over again, relationships are an opportunity to grow. I know what you may be thinking, you're saying, well, Micah, you just don't know who I'm married to. I cannot grow and overflow, okay? You don't know who my friend is. They're driving me crazy. I can't grow in this friendship right now. Let me share with you why probably that person is driving you crazy, and it may just shock you, but it's very simple. It's because they're different than you are, especially in marriage. Have you noticed that men and women are different? I mean, one of my favorite books about the differences between men and women is called Men Are Like Waffles, and women are like spaghetti. Let me give you a summary of the whole book. Uh, here's a picture of spaghetti, okay? This is how women think, men. <laughs> there it is. It's complicated. It all weaves together. One story starts and doesn't even stop because another story starts over here. 
And it doesn't even seem to be logically related, but it is. You ever watch a plate of spaghetti? You start moving this one over here and something moves over here? You know, this is why your wife can tell you a story about what she was shopping uh, you know, at the mall and all of a sudden what her grandmother told her when she was five years old and it all makes sense to her. But it drives you crazy because they're different. Now, just compare this because this is how women think, but men, here's our brains right here. There you go. Men are like waffles, we think in boxes, and uh, each box is different from the other and is separated from the other. So men, we have our hobby box and our work box, and we have our family box. And so this is why we drive women crazy, because our wife comes up to us and says, what are you thinking about? Has this ever happened to you ladies? You ask your husband, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing. And you think he's lying. But he's not. I, I, I forgot to tell you that some of these boxes on this waffle are completely empty. There's nothing in there, it's nothing. He's telling you the truth, but it drives you crazy. So let's review. Spaghetti, women's brains, very complicated, all weaves together. Waffles, boxes, very, very uh, you know, segmented and, and uh, compartmentalized. One of the greatest relational choices you can make today is to go ahead and decide, I'm gonna accept the other person in my life for being different. I'm gonna accept them. Look at what the scripture says on the screen here. Romans 15, 17, accept each other. Just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. What I love about this verse is it says, not only do I accept you so we can get along, not only do I accept you so we can help each other in our relationship, but I, when I accept you, I bring glory to God. Why? Because he made you unique, he made me different than you, and together we're gonna grow in this relationship by appreciating those differences. Look at what else James says in verse four. He says, so hey, let it grow, keep on growing. For when your, here's the word again, endurance, all relationships take endurance, is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I just want you to focus on those words, you will be. Today I know in a crowd this size, some people are struggling. You're going through trouble today. And I don't want you to think about where you are in that relationship, I want you to think about where you could be. I don't want you to think about where you are right now. And maybe you've been there for 30 minutes. Maybe you've been there for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, maybe a few years. I don't know how long that low has been. But today, I'm praying that everyone listening to me would make a choice and say, you know what, there's hope for our relationship. There's highs and there's lows. We're gonna hold on. We're gonna grow through this. We're gonna see what God would do. And we're gonna grow and endure and we're gonna lean on him. And I wanna encourage you today that there's three choices James shows us next that everyone listening to me can make. And whatever your relationship condition is, there's always hope. And if you make these three choices, you're gonna bring hope back into the relationships. And so if you're going on a high right now, still write these down. But if you're in a low, definitely take note of these because when you choose these, hope begins to breathe again in that relationship. And let me show them to you, and you can apply them when you walk out of the door. Here's the first one. The first one we're gonna see is James is gonna tell us to choose to trust God with your feelings. You've got feelings that you have right now because relationships are very strong and can hurt you very deeply. And so you're not a robot. You need to be honest with God and say, God, here's where I'm at right now. I'm really frustrated with them. I'm really angry. God, I'm so disappointed. You bring those feelings to God and you tell him about it. And the way James says it 
is this in verse five. James chapter one, verse five, he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. You see that word wisdom, I can't wait to start a series with uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Jared on wisdom this summer. Uh, but for now, here's wisdom. Wisdom is a special insight from God. Wisdom is getting God's perspective on what you're going through. In the scriptures here it says, ask God for wisdom. God, here it is. I feel very angry right now with them and I need your perspective on this. God, here it is. I, I'm feeling very disappointed and frustrated right now. I need your wisdom. I need your perspective on this. You see, when you talk to God, don't just make it factual. Don't just tell God the facts. Tell him your feelings. That's what I love about the Psalms in the Bible. This, the, the psalmist always expressing his feelings to God. Look at this one on the screen. Psalm 62, verse seven. Notice the feelings here. Trust in God. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. One of the most refreshing things you can decide to do today is take a moment before you go to bed and pour out your heart to God. Tell him how you feel. God, I am so angry, I'm so disappointed, I'm so hurt. There's so much trouble right now. Some of you, if you're gonna be honest with God about your feelings, you're gonna say, God, I don't feel anything right now. I used to be angry, I used to be disappointed, I used to be frustrated, but now I'm just kind of numb. What do I do then? You still tell God about it. You tell him, I don't feel anything right now, and you still choose to love them. One of the most photographed places in all of Austin is a wall on Joe's Coffee Shop on Congress Street. You know Austin's weird, but we take pictures of spray-painted walls. This is a famous wall, and people go there to propose, go there for their anniversary, and this is just a spray-painted wall. It says, I love you so much. And I want you to focus on that word love today. Just, just as you look at that word love, here's my question. Is that word love, is it a feeling or is it an action? Is love a feeling or is it an action? As you think about that, what you're gonna come to discover is it's actually both. Love is a feeling that moves you to action, but love's also an action that brings back the feelings. You see, today, if you say, you know what, I just don't feel anything right now, you still choose to love them. You say, well, isn't that hypocritical? No, that's being human. I wake up sometimes and I don't feel like loving anybody in the house and I definitely don't feel like pouring you lucky charms right now. I don't feel like it, but I choose to do it. You know why? Because this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Did Jesus feel like going to the cross? Who would feel like going through that kind of suffering? He didn't feel like doing it, but he chose to love us. And because he chose to love us, that love changed everything. You see in the scripture over and over again it says, to come back to this kind of love. And when you choose to love, the feelings will begin to return. Lamentations 5.21 says it this way, and I'm gonna ask all of you to read this with me from the screen. Let's say this together. Bring us back to you. Give us a fresh start. That is my prayer for everyone listening to me today. Fresh start, a new beginning. Whatever your relationship condition is right now, a fresh start with your kids. A fresh start with your parents. A fresh start with your husband. A fresh start with your wife. A fresh start in that friendship to say, God, we're coming back to you and we choose to trust you with our feelings. And our feelings aren't, aren't really great right now, but we need your wisdom. We need your perspective. God, we need you to show up in this relationship today. And he'll do it. Hope will begin to return. Look at what else James says in verse six. He says, 
But when you ask God, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver in that, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. He says, you gotta ask him, God, what is your direction? Where should we go here? God, what should we do in this? So here's the second choice is choose to ask God for his direction. God, here's my feelings. I'm gonna trust you, I need your wisdom, and I'm gonna choose, God, to go your direction. Wouldn't it make sense to ask God what he wants you to do in that relationship? God's the one that thought relationships up. He's the one that thought this whole thing about love up, and he wants you to ask him what you should do. God, what should I do with my child right now? God, this is a difficult season in this relationship. How do we navigate this? God, where should we go from here? You say, are you telling me that God wants to hear from me? I mean, God's really busy. He's got the galaxies and the world spinning and everything else and all the orbits. Yes, he actually cares about you. He holds the whole world in his hand, but he knows your name and he knows your need and he cares about your relationship. James is saying we have to ask him for his direction. But don't, please don't say, well, you know what, we just can't do this. We, we just can't make it. Uh, you know, maybe you even say, you know, I'm just gonna escape right now. I'm gonna run from this. That is rarely the, the answer. It's rarely the answer. It's like a guy that came up to me recently and he said, you know what, Pastor, I've been praying about my marriage. We're really struggling right now. And so I believe I've got a vision from God. I'm like, well, what is it? He said, well, God has told me to leave my wife and move to Nashville and become a country western singer. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, no, no, that is not what you're supposed to do. That is bad Mexican food. That is not God speaking to you. You've gotta stop saying, I can't. Uh, you know, my wife and I have been married for over 20 years. We got married when I was 20 and she was 19 and we pretty much raised each other and grew together. And, and you know, I've told her, listen, no matter what happens, don't ever say we can't work this out. Because if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. That we have no, we're gonna work this out. And listen, I know seriously, I know that there's people, you say, Mike, you don't get it. Uh, we're really struggling right now and, and, and it's really hard. I know it takes two people. It takes two people both choosing God's direction. It takes two people that would say, we're gonna go with God, but please don't say you can't today. Please don't say, what's well, just too messed up. We've just failed too many times. It's too far gone. When you say you can't, James is saying, you're right because there's no faith in that, in that decision. Look at verse seven. When you say you can't, when people say we just can't do it, they shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They're unstable in everything we do. When they say we can't, they're right. But please know today that God is in the business of turning ashes into beauty. He still works miracles and even in marriages. He can still work it out. And when you just start saying I can, even when you, I know it takes two, but I'm, I, I believe that there's hope for us. I believe this relationship can work. God starts to show up and all of a sudden the reverse is true. When you say I can't, you're right. When you say God can, you're right as well. You see, um, I know that some couples are struggling today. That's just real life. I'll tell you about a couple that gave me permission to share their story. It's Corey and Holly. And Corey and Holly, before I met them, they were married and had a second grade little girl, most precious girl you'd ever meet, but they were really struggling in their marriage. Corey and Holly hadn't been to church since their childhood. Moved to Austin, really had a successful business, beautiful home, but they were struggling. And no one really knew, but they were separated. He was living in an apartment, she was living in the house, and they would just kind of see each other and coordinate. They would go to counseling. They told me later that they would go to counseling and then sit in the car after the counseling session and go, what are we doing? 
We don't feel anything. Where are we going from here? Why are we even going to counseling? But one day, a friend of Holly's texted her on a Sunday morning and said, would you come to real life with me? Meets in a high school of all places and I'd love for you to show up and come. And Holly said, you know what? What am I gonna do for the next hour on this Sunday morning? Sure, I'll come and just, just imagine this. She texts her husband who's living in another apartment and says, do you wanna go to church with me? Give him a 45 minute warning, he said, I'll be there. And this couple who's living separately comes in and sits together at real life. And they heard a message about choosing a different example. Another way to say that is going God's direction. But when you go God's direction, you follow the example of Jesus. And this is the verse we talked about that day. It was in Philippians chapter two. And it says, don't be selfish. And they heard that. So you know what? Selfishness has crept into who we are. Don't be selfish. Your attitude should be the same kind that was shown by Jesus Christ, who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus you should treat the other person like Jesus. And Corey and Holly heard that, started coming back to real life. Three weeks later, both of them prayed to receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, a little update on them. Now they're not separated, they're back together in one house and they're gonna get baptized, go public with their faith next week at Real Life Austin. We just praise God for life change. God is still in the business of changing lives. No matter where your relationship is or how low you feel, God can bring hope back. So, Michael, where does it start? How does it work? Where do I go from here today? Well, I wanna go back to verse one of James because we skipped over it intentionally. And I wanna introduce you to who James is and get this last choice we need to make. Before we look at it, though, remember who James is. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and if you're a skeptic today or you're seeking or searching today, I want you to think about this. James grew up with Jesus, and maybe you're trying to figure this out. Okay, just a little bit of review here. Uh, Mary and Joseph were not married. Mary, when she had Jesus, was a virgin. But after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph got married and had lots of kids. Now, can you imagine growing up in the house with Jesus? A little bit of a dysfunctional family. You got two dads, one mom. And how many times did James hear, James, why can't you be more like Jesus? It is a very frustrating family to grow up in. But somehow, think about this, James, when he meets the resurrected Jesus, he becomes not only a follower of Jesus, he becomes the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, writes this letter we're looking at today, and then a few years after writing this letter, he dies for being a follower of Jesus that has to grab your attention. Because I would just ask you a question. For those of you who have brothers and sisters, you have siblings, here's my question. What would it take for your brother or sister to believe that you're God? Just saying, all right? James says, I believe in Jesus. He's my example, I will go God's direction. And I want you to see how he says it in verse one. James chapter one, verse one. He doesn't mention anything about his childhood. He says, this letter is from James. And I'm a slave of God, or I'm a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'm gonna follow Jesus. He's my Lord. He is my example. You see, when you choose to follow God and go his direction, you trust him with your feelings and get his wisdom, you're gonna find yourself saying, you know what, my attitude needs to be like Jesus. I don't need to be selfish, I need to be a servant. And what you're gonna 
come to is this choice is I'm gonna choose to love people like Jesus. If you wanna change relationships today, you just make this choice. I'm gonna choose to love people like Jesus. That is a life-changing relationship bringing choice to say, I'm gonna bring hope back to this. I'm gonna love people like Jesus. So today, I want you to make that choice. Now it's easy to make that choice for someone else, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to choose to make that choice for you. And so here's a very practical application. I'm gonna get you today to think of one person that you're gonna love like Jesus this week. And if you're taking notes, you can write their name down, but if you're not, just focus on that name. Who are you gonna love like Jesus? Now, if you're writing it down, please don't reach over and write your name on the other person's paper next to you and say, this is gonna be a great week in our lives, okay? You're gonna love me like Jesus. It's like that heartwarming story uh, about Tyler, who was five, and Ryan, who was three, two brothers. And Tyler, five, and Ryan, three, uh, woke up on a Saturday morning. Mom was making waffles for him, so they were all excited. And when the first waffle came out, they started arguing over the waffle. And Tyler wanted it, and Ryan wanted it. And so the mom gave a great speech. She said, boys, if Jesus was here, he would let his brother have the first waffle. To which Tyler turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> you, you be Jesus. Isn't that how we all feel today? Hey, you be Jesus. If you love me like Jesus, this is gonna be a great week in our house. But what if you today decided, I'm gonna love people like Jesus. I'm gonna write your name, I'm gonna love you like Jesus. What happens then? Because when you reflect on how much Jesus has loved you, when I reflect on how much Jesus has forgiven me, I can forgive you. When I reflect on how patient God has been with me, I can be patient with you. When I think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for me, those small sacrifices I have to make for you this week, I can make them. You see, if you wrote a name down, if you're married, I, I sure hope you wrote your spouse's name down. I hope you wrote your husband's name down. I hope you wrote your wife's name down. All the way through the scripture, it tells us to love. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, it says this, it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. You see, as you reflect on that, for men in this room, if you decide to love your wife like Jesus, I wanna make you a promise, you will change your marriage this week. Can I get an amen from all the ladies? Thank you very much. But if you do that, you'll bring hope back in the relationship. But let me just tell you, in all the counseling I've ever done, I just want you to look right up here. I'm not a great counselor by any means, but I've never sat in a counseling session with a couple that's crying before me and they're heartbroken and they're trying to figure it out. I've never had a wife in tears look at me and say, Pastor, you've gotta get my husband to stop loving me like Jesus. It's never happened before. I've never had a husband say, she is driving me crazy. Can you please tell her to stop treating me like Jesus? I've never talked to two parents who are struggling with their teenager and say, our teenagers going around the house with the attitude like Jesus, just serving everywhere. Don't even know what we're gonna do with them. When you choose to love people like Jesus, you bring hope back into relationships. And I'm gonna encourage you with all the information from the five love languages and all the great messages from those three talks that were done a few weeks ago, what do you say we listen to 1 John 3:18 when it says to do something about it? It says, you show love for others by truly helping them and not merely talking about it. So today, we're not just gonna talk about it, we've heard it, we've heard the five love languages, we're gonna choose to do something about it. Who are you gonna love like 
Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. As we pray together today, I would ask you to open up your heart to who God is. If you've never opened your heart to the sacrifice and the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross, would you do that today? He loves you. And you can't share love until you know it. So Heavenly Father, we pray that this day as we end the Love Language series that today we would begin a life-changing relationship with you and a life-changing relationship with those we love. Father, may this be a starting point. For those who don't know you, may it be a starting point in their relationship with you. But for all of us, may it be a new beginning in our marriages, a new beginning in our friendships, a new beginning in how we treat our parents, a new beginning in how we treat everyone. And I ask that today, God, you would bring hope back into every heart that we can, through Christ, through your wisdom and strength and your perspective, have hope no matter how low it is right now. Lord, we know that trouble will come in this world, but thank you for the joy that we have in Jesus. And through that relationship with you, may we show love to others this week. And Father, bless the partnership that Lake Point now has with Real Life as we bring hope to all of Texas and the world. And thank you for where that hope comes from, our source, our savior, and our example, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name, amen.